Well, Merry Christmas, Doxa Church. Happy birthday, Jesus. Whatever you guys want to say tonight, it's a great night to be together. Guys, judging by the video, we got some work to do with our Doxa kids. So parents, it's time for us to, to step it up, okay? So we'll fix that with the new year. We'll, we'll blame that one on 2020, okay? So anyway, guys, if you're new here, welcome to the Doxa Church family. For those of you who are part of the Doxa family, guys, it's, it's great to be gathered with you tonight on our first ever Christmas Eve service. For everybody online, guys, we, we miss you a ton, but I'm thankful for technology that even in the midst of the craziness of 2020, we get to gather and celebrate Christmas like this. So for those of you guys who are visiting, again, welcome to the Doxa family. My name is Rob. I'm one of the pastors here at the church. It's honestly just an honor to have you with us to celebrate Christmas tonight. So I want to invite you to grab your Bibles, okay? Open up to the Gospel of Matthew chapter 2. If you don't have a Bible, don't worry. We're going to throw it up here on the screen. But Matthew chapter 2, all right? And as you get there, I'll say this, okay? For those of you who are newer to the Doxa Church family, you know, every family just kind of has its thing, right? Sometimes it's weird. Sometimes it's cool. Our thing as we gather like this is we gather around the Bible. And so every time that we gather, we just open up the Bible. We seek to hear from God, and then by his power and presence in our lives, we respond to what we learn, thereby becoming the men and women who he's created us to be. And so this is the Christmas season of gift giving. If you don't have a Bible, we would love to give you one as a gift, okay? So you can stop at the Welcome Center on your left on the way out, grab some Bibles for your family as kind of like our Christmas gift to you, all right? So for the last few weeks, all right, we've, as we've been gathering here at Doxa, we've been looking at the very first Christmas account right here in the Gospel of Matthew, chapters one and two. And we're gonna continue looking at this historical account tonight, all right? And honestly, guys, one of my greatest honors, like one of my greatest joys in life is to open the Bible with you every time that we gather like this. And today is, that's especially true as we celebrate Christmas, all right? The most significant day in the history of the world, all right? So you guys ready to jump in? Ready? Kids, if you got your kids in here, don't even worry about it. I got kids. We love screaming kids, and I can keep going. It doesn't distract me, okay? So kids, we love you. We're glad that you're here, and we're going to have some fun tonight, okay? So Matthew chapter 2. Kids, are you ready to go? Wow, okay, all day. We'll do that. All right, chapter 2, verse 1. Now, after Jesus was born, all right? And I'm going to stop there for a minute. I'm not going to do this every five words, but this is really, really significant, okay? During the Christmas season, right? We're ultimately celebrating the birth of Jesus, Emmanuel, which means God with us. That Christmas is just where the eternal God has broken into human history, all right? It's where the God who created everything that we know and see steps into that creation himself. It's when the God who made mankind steps into our story and becomes a man, starting as a baby here. Guys, this is Christmas. This is Jesus, the most significant day in the history of the world in regarding the most significant, life-changing person that has ever lived. All right, and if you just really stop and think about what we're doing here tonight, I mean, it's kind of weird, right? I mean, just, just think about it. Billions of people around the world are having these huge birthday parties for a man who was killed over 2,000 years ago, right? I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm lucky to get a few text messages on my birthday, let alone a global party. But this is what we're doing. This is, this is Jesus, right? This is, this is Christmas, a massive thing. We're talking about a man that human history literally divides at his birth into BC, meaning before Christ, and AD, Anno Domini, meaning the year of our Lord. That our entire recording of human history revolves around the birth of this baby 
the Lord Jesus Christ. And honestly, guys, no one has changed the world like Jesus. And Christmas, like arguably the largest global holiday, is centered on this man, that it's all about Jesus. And as we celebrate this day, this special day, this holy day, it's because it's all about Jesus, and Jesus is good news for all people. So Jesus is born, all right? And and as we talk about Jesus, the name Jesus literally means God is our Savior. It's from the Greek form of the word in Hebrew, Yeshua, which means Yahweh saves, the God our Savior. This is who Jesus is, and this is so important to start with when we talk about Christmas, because we need to recognize that we're not just celebrating and we're not just talking about a good man, but we're talking about the God-man. That many people today, as they think about Jesus, and maybe you're kind of in this category, but you think about Jesus, and many people will think about Jesus, and they'll try and kind of lump him together with other great moral people who have lived and done great things throughout our world. And so we'll kind of have like the Mount Rushmore of good, great, moral people, and we'll say, okay, well, there's Gandhi, there's Mother Teresa, there's Oprah, and then we got some room over here. Let's slap Jesus up there, right? And we we have this idea that he's just a great, good man. And why would we not celebrate someone who has helped so many people, who has shown us and, and taught us to love other people well? But here's what you just need to know. That is not what our Jesus is like. All right, Jesus is not just another figure in the midst of a sea of great people who have lived throughout the history of the world. Jesus stands alone. He's in a category unto himself, that he's not just a good man, he's not just a great man, but he's the God man. And guys, when we understand this, this literally changes everything. It changes the way that we view Christmas, and my prayer is, is that it will change your view of who he is. It'll ultimately change your view of yourself and the world around us and how we fit in to this beautiful story that God has been writing. And here in Matthew chapter two, we have Jesus being born, God in flesh, as a baby. Now what I'm gonna do is I'm just gonna read this whole section and then we're gonna kinda dive in and we're gonna draw out some things and see what we can learn about Jesus, what we can learn about this Christmas season that we're celebrating tonight. So verse one is what we have. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem saying, where is he who is born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and the scribes and the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, and you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah are by no means the least among the rulers of Judah. For from you, shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men and secretly, in secret and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem saying, go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way and behold the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy, and going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshiped him. Then, opening their treasures, they offered him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. So what we have here, Jesus is born, and after this, this really interesting, kind of like crazy story begins to unfold. And it begins with some wise men, right, or or magi as they're called, and they're searching for Jesus. 
And honestly, we, we don't know a ton about these, these guys, these, these magi. They're, they're really not talked about a whole lot, right? They just kind of show up out of nowhere. This is really the only account in the Bible where we find them. And while we have these Christmas songs that we sing that, that tell us there were three of them, the truth is we don't know how many there were, right? We, we know that there were actually three gifts, right? Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. But we don't know. It could have been two guys. It could have been four guys, and one of them was just really cheap, just there for the party, right? We just don't know, right? There could have been upwards of 10 to 20 to 30 people in this caravan. We really just don't know. But what we do know is that they're following a star. And some historians believe that they were following the star for weeks or possibly even months that they believed was leading them to a king. But these men, they're, they're astrologers, okay? They're, they're fascinated with the stars. They're like scientists. They're studying the cosmos. And they're very educated men, very well-respected men in their communities. But we know that they're not Jewish because they're coming from another nation, but they're considered very spiritual. And we learn about men like this when we look at the little book of Daniel, that it's likely that these men had been influenced by Jewish teachings of the Old Testament and the Bible. And through their study of the stars, all right, being astrologers, they're drawn on this journey. Right, they just begin this journey. It's like, kind of like the Hobbit, right? It's like in the beginning, this is where it happened. But they see this star, and all of a sudden, they recall some of the Old Testament prophecies, and they start to think of places like Numbers 24, where there's an account and a prophecy by a man, man named Balaam who foretold that there was gonna be a king coming from God, which would be signified by a star. And so these men, they, they see this star, likely knowing the prophecy, and they start this journey towards Jerusalem, looking for Jesus. And as they get there, they discover he's not actually in Jerusalem, but he's in Bethlehem. And as Jesus is born in Bethlehem, if you look back, here's what I want us to consider tonight. Through this account, we basically get three responses. We see three responses to Jesus on this first Christmas. And I really believe that these three responses, guys, are essentially the three responses that every single person in the world has today towards Jesus. And as we look at them, there's one. When we understand this Christmas account, this man Jesus, it will lead us to rejoice exceedingly with great joy, just like these magi. All right, so the first response we see is through this historical king named Herod. All right, so the, the magi, they arrive in Jerusalem, they're looking for this prophesied king, and they come to the ruler of Judea, King Herod, and they start asking him, they say, where is the king of the Jews? Now, you just need to understand like, how radical this would have been, all right? That these magi, they're, they're not just wise, but they're, they're, they're gutsy. I mean, they have some stones, right? I mean, they just, you gotta understand, they're going to the king of the Jews and they say, now, hey, where is the real king of the Jews, right? And so any time that happens, you walk into a palace in a kingdom and you go to the king and you say that, it's gonna upset the person that's on the throne. And this is what happens with Herod, because if you look back at verse three, it says that he's troubled. And this is like honestly just a massive understatement, okay? Because here's what we know about the historical King Herod. He's not only a king, but he's also a killer. And although Herod was like the sitting king at this time, he wasn't born king, all right? But he declared himself to be the king of the Jews. And as he declared himself, he basically put himself in for nomination and this was accepted by the Roman government at this time. And so he's not born king. And historically, we know that Herod was just like an unusually violent king. Even as you compared him to other ancient kings, he was just very, very violent. I mean, history records that Herod even killed many of his own family members 
who were threatening his, his power and his authority as king. So anybody who came near to Herod that threatened his kingship and threatened his authority, he just killed them and got them out of the way. So with that backdrop, when these guys come, when these magi come and they report that the Messiah, the king of the Jews, has been born in Bethlehem, Herod wants to go find him. All right, and he doesn't want to just meet him and shake his hand and worship him, but he really wants to kill him. Doxa, Herod rejected Jesus. This is the first response that we see here. Rejection. I mean, if you look down a couple verses, verse 16, in his rejection of Jesus, he actually tries to kill him. That he didn't know exactly what child this was, and so he issues a decree that all children above or below the age of two, he's going to kill all the baby boys. And so you, what you literally have is you have mothers holding their, their babies, and the soldiers just coming, ripping them out and killing them right in front of their eyes. And Jesus, he would have fell victim to this, this genocidal cleansing as well, but God like rescued them in a dream, and Joseph and Mary and Jesus flee to Egypt. But here's the thing, Herod rejected Jesus. Now, this is likely the posture of some of us here tonight, that we wanna be the proverbial king of our own lives. We wanna be in charge, we wanna be the one that calls the shots. We don't wanna take orders from anybody, we don't wanna listen to anyone, we don't wanna answer to anyone, and so we reject Jesus as God. And we just label him as a good man, as a, as a moral teacher. Because if we can just say he's a good man and not the God man, then it's a lot easier just to throw that off and say, well, I'm not gonna listen to him. But we reject him as God because we wanna be the God of our own lives. You wanna decide what is right and wrong, what's true and false, what's good and bad. Guys, this is Herod rejecting Jesus. Now, the second response we see to Jesus is indifference. All right, look back at these wise men. They're, they're coming looking for this king. No one really knows what they're talking about. And so eventually, they pull together the scholars and the chief priests and the scribes, and they bring them together to ask them what's going on. And, and these people, I just want you to understand that these are very religious people, like devoutly religious people. Their job is really just to study and to teach the scriptures, the Bible, the word of God. And so they bring these really religious people together, and they ask them, where is Jesus gonna be born? And these guys are like Bible trivia nerds, right? And they go right to the Bible and they go to Micah chapter five, verse two. And they say, well, that's, that's an easy one. He's gonna be born in Bethlehem. Now, here's what I want you to see. Here's the thing that's so interesting. As we look at these religious leaders, we're reminded that mere knowledge about the scriptures is just not enough. Because guys, you can know the verse and you can miss the point. You can memorize the passage, but not get the message. This is them. These Bible scholars, they knew that Jesus, the king of the Jews, would be born in Bethlehem, but they just didn't even seem to care. That we have no indication in our historical records of these guys going with the wise men, with the magi, to see Jesus. They just didn't care. I mean, and we're talking, guys, like Jerusalem to Bethlehem, six miles. They could have easily made this trip but they just didn't care. They were just completely indifferent to him. Now, how many of you guys would, would fall into this category? Don't raise your hand, you know, it might be weird, but maybe you're just, you're here, but you really, you just don't care. I mean, you're, you're here for your family tradition, but honestly, if you just were honest about your life, like, 
your life, your, your thoughts, your priorities, your, your passions, they're not anchored and centered in Jesus at all, but other things. And it's not so much about Jesus, but what's really, really important to you is your job. What's really important to you is how big your bank account is. What's really important to you is, is you having a good social life. What, whatever it is, those things are just way more important to you and you're just really indifferent when it comes to Jesus. Or, or maybe, like, maybe you've done the church thing, right? You, you grew up in the church, you've been around for a while, you know some of the traditions, you know the songs, you know the right things to say, you got a, you got a cross tattoo, right? You, you ordered one of those calligraphy art things from Etsy that has a Bible verse that's really beautiful, you got that hanging on your house, but you really are not persuaded and compelled to follow and love him at all. You're just indifferent. These people, for them, religion and knowledge was way more important than a relationship. That it was about facts for them to know and memorize, not about love and following him. There's some of us here that are, that are in this camp. And then the third response we see to Jesus is worship, right? And we see this with the Magi. They're searching for Jesus. They've traveled a long way to meet him. They come to him. They give him royal gifts. And then if you look at verse 11, what do they do? They fall down and they worship him. Now you just gotta, again, like if you, you're familiar with the Christmas story, you're like, oh, of course they did. Why would, picture this, guys. I mean, these are like distinguished older gentlemen, right? Very educated, very wealthy, and they fall on their face and worship a baby. Like it would just be a completely weird scene. And the question, the big question we have to ask with this, the Christmas question, is why worship Jesus? Why? Because maybe you're here in like the church thing, the, the Bible, it's, everything's just altogether new. You know, you're, you're sitting here, you're wondering like, why does that guy have his hands in the air during the song? Why does that lady keep saying amen? Like why? Why are there so many people in the middle of the week here worshiping Jesus? And if you're thinking that, if you're asking that question, I want you to know this is actually the right question. It's the right thing to ask. But to answer that question, we actually have to ask a bigger one first, and it's this. Why was Jesus born? Because if we understand why Jesus was born, then guys, we will understand why worship is really the right and logical response. And so here it is, Doxa. Jesus was born so that you could be born again. This is Christmas, this is why Jesus was born. He was born so that we could be born again. And, and maybe again, you've, you've heard this language before, right? Someone referring themselves as like a born again Christian and you're like, I don't know what that means. Like Christians are weird enough, but then you're born again, I don't know, right? And so like, where do we get this language? What does this actually mean? Right? But we actually get this from the Bible. In places like 1 Peter chapter one, verse three, Peter says that Jesus came to cause us to be born again into a living hope. And then we also hear Jesus from his words in John chapter three, Jesus actually says that unless somebody is born again, they cannot see the kingdom of God. And so throughout the Bible, here's the issue. All right, in order to be with God, to go to heaven, we need a new birth. We need to be born again. And here's how I want you to understand this, okay? This might make some of you kind of feel like a little bit uneasy, right? But I, I love you enough that I wanna tell you the truth and just give you what is true, but here it is. 
We are all born in sin. This is, this is who we are as people, every single person. That while we're all born with physical life, we're born spiritually dead because of sin. That by nature and choice, every single one of us, we're just sinners. This is the nature of all humanity. And so while we can be physically alive apart from new birth, apart from being born again, we're spiritually dead. And I, and I know, guys, like, I get it. Like, this isn't like the traditional like, wow, that's a feel-good Christmas message, right? But you gotta understand, when we understand sin, it's so helpful for us to really understand the rest of life. Because sin explains why our world is so broken. Sin explains why bad things happen and why people do horrendous things. It explains why you feel pain and why you feel hurt and why you feel sadness and fear and anger. That we look around the world and we think about our lives, most definitely something is wrong, right? I mean, if 2020 has not com like convinced you of this, right? I don't know what it's gonna take. Like the murder hornets are gonna have to come back or whatever, right? But something's wrong. We all feel it, we all, we all see it. The Bible tells us that the cause of all of that is sin, all right? And it's not just sin in the world, but it's sin in every single one of us. And when I say the word sin, we might all have like a framework, right? A, a working understanding of what that means. But so we're on the same definition here. Let me just, this is the easiest way that I can explain it. All right, sin is simply anything and everything that's in opposition to who God is and what God says. And regardless of how you grew up, uh, you, you might have grown up in a Christian family, you had a Christian dog, Christian grandma, Christian cat, well, that doesn't work, you know that, but you know what I mean, Christian, cats are evil, but <laughs> you might have had all of that, but regardless of how you grew up, regardless of how good of a person you try to be, regardless of how moral and ethical you appear to other people, we're all affected by sin. And if you just are completely honest with yourself. Like no matter how nice of a person you try and be, no matter how good of a person we try to appear, we all know that we're not who we should be or we want to be or we need to be. That are things, that are, there's things inside of us that are just broken. We do and say things and think things that we shouldn't think and do and say and then we don't do the things that we actually should do. We're, we're broken. There's one perfect person here and his name is Jesus and that's why all this stuff exists. That's why we sing to him and teach about him. The rest of us, we're sinners in need of a savior and I'd be the first one to stand up here and say Rob Warren is a sinful man. That I have sin in my past, I have sin in my present and I have sin in my future that I haven't got to yet but I will. And this is all of our stories. And the sin in our lives, it doesn't just make us, I need you to hear this, it doesn't just make us bad people but it leads to a life separated from God. That's the nature of sin, it separates us from God. And I know that maybe some of you, you hear this and you're kind of thinking like, that doesn't seem like a big problem to me because I don't really wanna be close to God anyways. But let me just kind of share this with you, okay? Because this is where it becomes like a really big deal. Right? The consequences of sin is death. All right, it's not that we like sin and all of a sudden we get zapped by a laser beam from God or anything like that, right? It's not that. We'd probably sin a lot less if that actually, if it got electrocuted every time that we sinned. But that's not what I'm talking about. What I'm saying here is that sin leads to spiritual death 
an eternal separation from God, which is just the terrible conscious reality of hell. And it's only with that perspective that Christmas, that Christianity, and the birth of Jesus is really good news. That God, with his fatherly love, came to earth, being born as a baby. This is Jesus. He grows to be a man, and he doesn't seek to live a great life of luxury and fame and power and prestige, but he lives his life to die for our sin. And he goes to the cross to be killed, to take our sin and to allow us to be born again, to bring us into his family, that this is the only way. It's only Jesus. It's all about Jesus. That when Jesus says things like, I am the way and the truth and the life and no one comes to the Father except through me. Because this is either God speaking or a lunatic. That Jesus is the only way and I know that in, a, in our world, especially in our city like Madison, in a world of like secularism and relativism, pluralism, all of those isms, to say that there is one way is just like, oh my gosh, there cannot be one way because that means I'm wrong. This is what God says. This isn't like something made up. This is God speaking. And I just want you to know that Jesus is the only way. That religion cannot save you from your sin. Church cannot save you from your sin. Morality cannot save you from your sin. Spirituality cannot save you from your sin, but Jesus can, and that's why he came. Amen? This is Jesus. Jesus was born so that we could be born Again, and this is the good news of the gospel, and this is what we celebrate at Christmas, and this is what we're all about here at Doxa. It's always about Jesus. And if you go back to the Christmas story, here's what I want you to see. This idea of being born again, here's what you need to know. It's all about your response to Jesus. Rejection, indifference to Jesus will just leave you spiritually dead in sin separated from God. Sure, you'll be physically alive, but you're in a cycle of death. And eventually that death will lead to eternal death, which is the terrible conscious reality of hell. But if you're in a place like the Magi, coming to Jesus in faith, guys, this is where life, this is where forgiveness, this is where relationship with God happens. And this is what I believe that God has brought every single one of us here to see tonight. You're not here on accident, that God is, is sovereign. And just like God was drawing the Magi to come by leading them with a star to come and see Jesus, this same God is drawing you here to meet Jesus so that you can be born again. And just as the star stopped over top of Jesus, and kind of like the spotlight of heaven came down and shined on Jesus so that Magi could see him and worship him. God has you here tonight. And the spotlight of heaven is still on Jesus. It's always on Jesus. And there he is, and he's there to, so you can see him, so that you can know him, so you can understand him, so you can accept him, so that he can save your life, to save you from sin and cause you to be born again. And so here's my question for you tonight. Have you been born again? Jesus was born so that this could happen. But the question is, is like, has it happened for you? 
And honestly, this is the most important question of your entire life because eternity hangs on it. And maybe you're, you're sitting there and you can think, well, I, don't, I mean, how, how can anybody even know that? And here's what I'll tell you. Being born again really just takes two things, repentance and faith. Jesus comes on the scene in Mark chapter one and he says, the kingdom of God has come near. I'm here, God is here. Repent and believe the good news, the gospel. Repentance and faith, that repentance is just where we see ourselves as sinners in need of a savior and faith is where we trust in what God has done for us. We don't trust in our own works, but we trust in the works of Jesus through his death and resurrection. And guys, when you find this, and Jesus saves you, and Jesus forgives you, and he causes you to be born again, and saving you from sin, death, and hell. This is where we experience what the Magi experienced in verse 10. If you look back, what do they do? They rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. They rejoiced exceedingly that if you've been born again through faith, there is reason to rejoice and sing exceedingly with great joy tonight, amen? Guys, this is Christmas. This is what we celebrate. This is the only reason that this even makes sense because Jesus is God and Jesus died and Jesus lives and he forgives. It's all about Jesus. And so let me end like this, okay? It's Christmas, right? It's the Christmas season. We're, we're all likely gonna have like gift exchanges, right? In the next, tonight, if you do that tonight or tomorrow, whatever, right? And you're gonna give gifts to people, they're gonna give gifts to you, and we're all following in this example of both the Magi and Jesus, all right? That the Magi came and they gave gifts to Jesus, and then Jesus was going to go and give them a gift as he would go to the cross to die in their place for their sin. This is the greatest gift that anybody could ever receive. They're having a gift exchange, that Jesus was born to die. He, was, he died for you, he came for you, you just need to know, somebody in here just needs to know how much God loves you. He does. And he's given everything for you. He came for you. And honestly, guys, I have the great privilege of standing up here and saying I have good news of great joy for all of you, all of Madison, all of the world, and it's this, is that Jesus Christ in this Christmas season wants to have the greatest gift exchange in the history of the world with you. And all Jesus wants is he's saying, I want your sin and I will give you everything. Jesus says, give me your sin, give me your shame, give me your guilt, give me your perversion, give me everything and I'll take it and I will give you my love and my redemption and my forgiveness and my eternity in my life. This is Christmas. The great reformer, Martin Luther, he called this the great exchange, that we give God our worst and he gives us his best, that we give Jesus our sin and he gives us his righteousness. Guys, this is Jesus, the gift of God. God gives us himself as the man Jesus, as a gift. He's the savior of sinners and the only way to take hold of the life and the love and the eternity and the peace and the hope that he desires for us. And quite honestly, guys, this is what I love about Jesus. I mean, this is why we get so excited about Jesus. This is why we're always singing about Jesus and celebrating Jesus and preaching about Jesus and we can't stop talking about Jesus because he is the one. Like he has done everything for us. And for those of you who are Christians, man, I hope you're excited tonight. 
I hope that you sing and rejoice exceedingly with great joy because I want to remind you that in Jesus you're new, in Jesus you're saved, in Jesus you're forgiven, in Jesus you're loved. You're never alone. God is with you. And just as Jesus was adopted by Joseph, in Jesus you are adopted by God. You are his kids. And I hope you leave here tonight like feeling excited, feeling encouraged. I hope you leave here with your, your burdens and your shame and your fear and your guilt and all the sorrows of your life being lifted. I hope you leave here with like your hope, your joy, your passion, your love, your affection, like just elevated because it's all about Jesus. We want you to enjoy Christmas. We want you to enjoy everything that Jesus has. And this is what he wants you to be reminded of tonight is he's given that all to you. This is Christmas. And even if you're here and you've not come to Jesus, you, you haven't been born again through faith. You know, maybe you're just here because it's the time of the year where you, you do this type of thing. Grandma looked at you and she made you come, whatever, right? Or maybe you've just been flat out rejecting him or just like indifferent to him. My hope and prayer is that as you walk out of this auditorium, that you have a better understanding of who Jesus actually is. Not like a socially constructed Jesus, not like a religious view of Jesus, but the Jesus of the Bible, God our Savior. And I hope and pray that you would realize what Jesus has done for you, how he wants to save you, how he's come for you. And I hope and pray that you would say yes to him and that you could begin to rejoice exceedingly with great joy. Guys, this is Christmas. This is Jesus. And that's why we say Merry Christmas. So I'm gonna invite you to stand and we're gonna do what these magi did. We're gonna stand and respond and sing and rejoice exceedingly with great joy because he is worthy, he's worth it, he's come and we have everything. Let me pray. God, thank you for Christmas. Thank you for coming for us as you stepped into our broken world to give us hope, to give us life. And God, when I, when I think about how you stepped into my life, how when I was just a, an addict, a womanizer, just a terrible excuse for a man running far away from you, you looked down from eternity and you said, I love that one. And as you were born and as you went to the cross, I know you were thinking of me, you were thinking of all of us. And so God, I, I pray that you would just help your kids in here tonight that have come to you in faith that you've caused to be born again. Would you just remind them, Holy Spirit, of the gospel of how sweet it sounded the first time that they heard it and you took their sin. For, for those that are not your kid, have not been born again, God, would you just help them to see that you love them, that you've given everything for them, that you desire them, you've made a way for them. God, we just love you and we, we thank you for the gift of Christmas. Jesus Christ, it's his name we pray.